Welcome to That's Debatable, the best sports podcast on the internet. My name is Clint. I'm here with Mark, and we are recapping week four of college football, and an exciting week it was. The interesting thing about week four, Mark, to me is that when we made our picks for this, um, the only upset that I did not pick uh, did get the upset, which we'll talk about, Arkansas over Texas A&M. I picked upsets kind of across the board. I picked Kansas State, I picked West Virginia, I picked Stanford, I picked Notre Dame. Luckily, and y'all can check out our Notre Dame standalone episode, uh, luckily I was right on that one, uh, but that was it. I went one and four in my picks today, though I will say uh, we did our brand new segment, The Upset Special, and I was a little worried about that one because NC State, ah, oh, man, 0 for 3 kicking field goals. Um, so I was a little bit nervous about that one, but they put away Clemson in double overtime. Clemson's first loss to an unranked team in, I don't know if it was 36 years. I think it was 36 games. Um, but nonetheless, a long time since they had lost to an unranked opponent, um, and they dropped to 2-2. Two and two. But they just hadn't impressed me. I don't think they've impressed many people. Um they definitely didn't impress NC State. But uh, a lot of upsets and uh, a lot of upsets in games that we didn't cover. You know, when we were looking into this week, um, I was like, I knew I was going somewhere with this. When we were looking at this week, we're kind of like, oh, we don't even really know what games to cover. There's only a couple um, games between ranked opponents. In fact, the only two games between ranked opponents were Texas A&M at Arkansas and... Notre Dame versus Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Um, I mean, there were plenty of ranked teams that played, but that was, I think, the only two games. I'm double-checking here, but I think those were the only two where both teams were ranked. Yeah, and yet, right. y- you saw just a flurry of upsets, near upsets. Uh, I mean, you still had your uh, SEC teams playing, you know, D3 schools or whatever. Um, so you still saw Alabama win 63 to 14, um, you know, Georgia 62 to nothing though. That was against an sec school. So maybe, you know, maybe the sec isn't so great top to bottom, but whatever. Um, sorry, Clark Lee. Um, (laughs) but you know, a, a lot of interesting games this week and, We'll go through very quickly just the ones that we had picked. Um, Mark, you had a solid week. So you went, well, I mean, you went three and two. I went one and four. Um, though I'm counting two and four because I'm counting that upset special pick. Um, but let's start with Kansas State at Oklahoma. I don't know that we have a, a lot to say here. Um, any thoughts on this one? I know you didn't watch this one. I didn't watch it. Um, but all I have to say is this is this is a huge letdown, right? Like, I don't even know they they lost by eleven, but it never even felt anywhere close to that. Even I feel like they were just they were just getting handled the entire game, um, and and this is just I don't know. This is very shocking, uh. But I do believe they were the underdog, correct? We we picked this as an upset, correct? Um, yeah. So Kansas State was the ranked team, but Oklahoma State was a six point favorite in it. And so, like, yeah, this is literally the same situation with West Virginia and yep. uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Like, literally the same thing happened, the same results. Like, I, 
it's just crazy to me. But um, Vegas knew something I didn't. So, yeah, I think um, for me going into this, um, Kansas State came in as a top twenty team in the country in total defense. Like they had really, that was what was kind of setting them apart. And you saw some of the numbers that Stanford had put up outside of the K-State game, and K-State held them to under 300 total yards, I believe. Um, and so Kansas State had been winning games because of their defense. That's the reason they were 3-0. and In fact, their starting quarterback got hurt early in the season, so they've been playing their second and even at times third-string quarterback, which they did in this game. Um, so I think to me the most shocking thing was – you know, Oklahoma State throws for 344 yards. Um, Jalen Warren rushed for um, 123 on 27 carries and 81 yards on four catches. So, I mean, they just 294 yards of offense in the first half. Um, so, you, now, you saw Kansas State kind of buckle down in the third quarter. They held them to 54 yards of offense, but it was just one of those too little, too late. Now, they did make it uh, 31 to 10 um, at half, but it just, like you said, it just 21 felt like 50. Yep. Um, and the final 11 kind of felt like 20 plus. Um, so that, that was tough, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Not a whole lot to say. Um, for for Kansas State, um, they had they'd come in with five consecutive games of two hundred yards rushing or more, um, and left that game with just sixty two, um, including minus three in the second half. Uh, so if you can't run the ball, you know, and you're used to running the ball at the clip that they had been, that's that's just going to be difficult. So. They have a big game coming up next week now against Oklahoma. Um, and so they're going to have to figure some things out uh, if they want to be able to compete in that game. But we both went the wrong way on that one. Uh, Oklahoma State, 11-point victory. Uh, K-State falls back out of the top 25 uh, with the new polls that came out today, uh, not surprisingly. Um, moving on to, uh, we'll go UCLA at Stanford. So this was one that... Um, for me, uh, I know you've been a bigger believer in UCLA. I have not necessarily, I've been fairly indifferent. Like I just have not, with all those late Pac-12 games, I just haven't really watched them enough. I know, you know, obviously they had the, the tough loss to Fresno State last week. Um, and they were a four and a half point favorite. They won by 11. You know, I thought Stanford at home, they kind of had rallied since their opening week loss to Kansas State. Um they typically play fairly well at home and in this matchup at home. But, uh, yeah, it was a swing and a miss on this one for me. Um, but what were your thoughts on this this game? As I, as I called, um, it's about getting back to their identity for UCLA, uh, which was being super good at running the ball. And, again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, when, he when he's throwing and not having to play both roles, he was 18 of 29 for 251 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but again, the story is Zach Charbonnet, 23 carries, 118 yards and a touchdown, 204 as a team. That's their identity. That's what they're good at. That's how they win ball games. That's how they won this one. 
And uh, they got away from that with Fresno State, and I still think that Fresno State's a pretty good football team, but UCLA is a good football team. Yeah, no. This game, uh, we had mentioned that this is was an important game for them because even though they took the loss to Fresno State, they still have a path to a Pac-12 title game. Uh, and so that is still in play now. So a big win for them. Hats off to them. Um, and they bumped up a little bit uh, in the standings this week. Let's see, where did they end up? Um, so they bumped up to 20th um, in the rankings this week. So uh, a nice little, nice little bump for them. Um, so yeah, hats, hats off to UCLA. Um, our next game, this was another... Um, this was the upset that you had called here, Texas A&M at Arkansas. Go ahead, and since you called this one as well, which is going to be most of these and not very many of mine, <laughs> why don't you lead off on this one? Yeah, this was a really interesting game to me because Arkansas got off to a hot and early start uh, going up 17 to nothing and then only put up three points for the rest of the game. Um, but they only allowed 10, and I think that this showed a lot of what I was kind of thinking as far as where Texas A&M is at offensively, which is just kind of on the struggle side. Um, they hadn't looked very good against Colorado. As a matter of fact, I said that Colorado basically handed them that win, um, and they've just they've kind of looked a lot like Oklahoma to me. The difference is Oklahoma's been able to scrape out tough wins. We'll get, we'll get down to Oklahoma here in a minute, but um, yeah, I, I feel like Texas A&M is, is this is about where they've been at. Um, and they, they're going to, you know, talk about last year being left out of the playoff and everything, but I still feel like they're a mid-level SEC opponent. And I think their, their ranking was, uh, because of their, their finish the season last year and how they played last year. Um, and as I said, I feel like there are still teams in the top 10 that are getting the same treatment, but this, this time it got exposed. Yeah. And, uh, I, I kind of was giving them the benefit of the doubt when I, I don't know, maybe I was talking out of both sides of my mouth because on the one hand, you know, I said, okay, here's your chance to kind of prove that you are. And I thought they would come in wanting to do that. Of course, I've been wrong twice on that now. Cause I thought Indiana was going to come in with kind of that similar chip on their shoulder. And we saw how that played out week one in Iowa city. Um, and, and, even against Cincinnati and, you know, now they're looking at one and two, but um, with Texas A&M, you know, it was, it was one of those questions of who are you? Um, we can out the win at Colorado, like we mentioned, um, handling your business elsewhere, but your business was pretty easy business. Um, so your first big road test um, and you didn't pass the test. And so if it comes down to the end of the year, and you're one of these teams with one loss that thinks you deserve to be in, look back to this game in week three and your opportunity to set yourself apart. Um, because I think it's altogether likely we could see Arkansas before the season is over drop out of the top 25. Um, I'm going to highlight why. Um, otherwise, they're going to really... I, they jumped up a ton too, by the way. Um, eight spots. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I know they they manhandled Texas. You know, they beat Rice to open the season by 21. They beat Georgia Southern 
by 35. I get that. This was an impressive win. I will tell you this. If I'm an SEC team or any other – I don't think they play any other Power 5. Yeah, they their only other non-conference game is Arkansas Pine Bluff on October 23rd. I don't think that'll be an issue. Um, so everything else is SEC. If I'm an SEC team, I I don't want to go to Fayetteville. That's for sure. Um, two impressive wins now against and Texas has, you know, in fairness, bounced back since since that game and put a hurt on Texas Tech. Um, so that the Texas where they've gone since Arkansas beat them is helpful for Arkansas for their resume. What Texas A and M does moving forward. Uh, potentially will be helpful as well because they've got uh, they host Alabama in two weeks. Uh, they host Mississippi State this coming week. They need to make sure they don't look past that towards Alabama. Um, but uh, you know they've they've got some some tough games left. But um, I think the biggest thing here for Arkansas here's why I think they could potentially fall out of the top twenty five. So they're they're four and zero. And again, hats off to them for that. They got to go to Athens this week, mm. and they're coming in four and zero against a ranked Texas with wins against ranked Texas by almost twenty, and ten against the number seven at the time Texas A and M. With that on their resume, and with Georgia's only staple win at this point being um, Clemson, who's now five hundred. Georgia is an 18-point favorite at home. Now, we'll see how that maybe changes throughout the week. But you're talking about a three-score favorite. So they either think very, very highly of Georgia, or they're still – it's like they're oddly not buying Arkansas and buying them at the same time. (laughs) Um, But, again, Arkansas has not played a road game yet. Um, so there rice was at home. Texas was home. Georgia Southern was home. Texas A&M was home. So that's a nice way to start your season, not having to leave your, your friendly confines. You got to go to Athens. If they win that game, I will really start buying Arkansas a lot more. Um, I don't think they win that game. Um, I don't know if it's 18, but I don't think they win that game. Then they got to go on the road the following week to Ole Miss. Another team that I'm not, entirely sold on but back-to-back road games uh against ranked opponents those will be uh, a test of their medal if they lose both of those now all of a sudden you're four and two and you're probably maybe ranked like 20th or so then you have auburn at home uh auburn just struggled against georgia state so that one maybe doesn't scare you but you still have mississippi state granted that one's at home lsu who's not looked particularly good you still have alabama at Alabama. So they got to go to Georgia, to Ole Miss, and to Alabama. And there's a good chance they lose all three of those, or at least two of the three of those. Yeah. Um, so if they lose all three, I think there's a good chance they drop out of the top 25. If they win at least one, they'll stay in, but um, unless they just get really routed in, in the one that they are in the two that they lose. But anyway, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But I think Arkansas has at least done enough, in my opinion. Um, you know, they've they've done enough to crack the top ten. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll talk about our top ten picks later, and I'll, I'll see if you have them in there, and if so, where. But um, on to our next game, and this was another interesting one, another nail biter in Norman. Um, 
That was good. That could have been a that could have been a newspaper heading. Um, <laughs> I I watched a lot of the second half of this game. Um, so I'll I'll do the second half of this recap. So tell me what you saw. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this game? If so, what did you see? What What are your thoughts on Oklahoma right now? Yeah, I did watch most of this game uh, pretty closely, and I think uh, I I I thought that Oklahoma had an had a score at will offense. I I just felt like they they were there still. Um, I've since changed my opinion on that. Um, and this is not to take away from West Virginia because this is what they've kind of done all year. It's just like play spoiler. They've got the win over Vatech and and uh, they played Maryland really closely. Uh, Maryland's an undefeated football team as we speak. So credit to them for for playing spoiler, keeping it close. But again, this game to me is about Oklahoma's die, uh, their identity. Um, and give credit to Spencer Rattler because he actually performed pretty well in this game. Uh, 26 of 36 for 256. Uh, one touchdown and the one pick. Um, but they're just not getting enough uh, on the run game, which is what we're seeing with a lot of teams right now where they're one-dimensional. Um, as a matter of fact, only 57 yards as as a team uh, rushing. So I feel like that's probably what kept us close. Um, as I watched it, I just didn't see a lot of dynamic play calling um, for Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know if Lincoln Riley really knows the identity of his team right now, um, but this is multiple weeks now where, like you had mentioned, they've only covered the spread in one game, uh, and that was against an absolute nobody. And they've yeah, been West, Western Carolina. Yeah, and they've been double digit, double digit favored in everything. So um, this definitely brings up an interesting. Uh, thought process going forward with Kansas State um, because that was such a huge let letdown game but I feel like Kansas State's got the opportunity to play spoiler still um, so yeah what, what did you think in the second half that continued to keep this close because West Virginia had the lead going into half correct yeah so West Virginia led 10 um, 10 10 to 7 uh, and then actually um, led 13 to 10 going into the fourth quarter uh, and then Oklahoma added a pair of field goals. Obviously, the last one as time expired in the fourth quarter. So there's a couple of different things that happened in this game. Um, one was certainly, as you mentioned, um, the the run game or or lack thereof. Um, you know, West Virginia had six tackles for loss in this game. They had four sacks. So I mean, that you're talking about ten plays where you're netting a negative. Um, like that's that's tough. You have an interception, so that's eleven plays where you're netting a, a negative. If you think about it that way, um, but it, yeah, I mean, they their ability to to keep that offense under wraps at home, um, and that's why I thought that they had a good chance to win. I mean, like I don't feel bad about my upset pick here at all. The K State one, I feel kind of dumb because they got routed. Um, Stanford didn't really show up to play in that one. Um, so those two, I, I'm kind of like, ah, man, that was dumb. West Virginia, I don't feel bad about this because, uh, you know, the biggest thing, yeah, you had um, their leading rusher, 38 yards on 12 carries. And Brooks had five carries for 17. And then after that, you did nothing. Spencer Rattler, nine carries, zero yards. Um, so it was... 
it was a defensive game. That's you know that's how West Virginia had kind of hung around in some other games. Now a lot of people thought West Virginia's defense was going to be the reason that they didn't have a shot in this game. Um, and so as far as that goes, um, you know, if we did the where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong section, I was right about that. I thought that Oklahoma's offense, like you said, hadn't impressed me that much. The only time they covered was 76 points, you know, 76 nothing or whatever against Western Carolina. But here's the other thing that's interesting about this game. So, you know, it, it's easy to kind of look at the the game-winning field goal but West Virginia was in prime, prime position to at least take the lead and force Oklahoma to try to come down and tie with a field goal. And they're, the way they choked it away, I think, gave Oklahoma that momentum. And then their offense clicked on all cylinders. On the final drive for Oklahoma, they did not have a third down. Um, first and second down was all they ever saw, including the field goal. So. The the moment that shifted everything into Oklahoma's favor really wasn't even the game-tying field goal. It was, even though, um, I mean, that like that tied it with eight minutes left. Um, excuse me, not with eight minutes left. That tied it with just over eight minutes left, um, about nine minutes left. So West Virginia has the ball. They're driving and they're they're just methodically moving the ball down, and they have second and seven at Oklahoma's 28-yard line. And if I remember right, they actually ran a nice play for a pickup, maybe even of a first down. Either that or it was like a false start or something, but they, they had an illegal procedure penalty that backed them up five yards. So it's still only second down, though, right? And they're still at the 33. So even at this point, you're talking about a 50-yard field goal from here. That's if you get no more yards. Uh, you know. So, I mean, you could potentially run the next two downs even in hopes of just getting some yardage and kicking a long field goal. Yep. Instead, on the following play, um, they snap the ball while the quarterback has his head turned. And they end up losing 21 yards on a fumble recovery. Um, now, Daigie recovers his, well, it wasn't really his fumble, but recovers the fumble. But you've then gone from second and 12 at the 33 to third and 33 at your own 46. And the other thing I thought was weird, I mean, that the place went nuts. But then... They ran the ball. Like, you're not even going to take a shot to try to get some of those yards back, like to get half of those yards back and then maybe make a decision on if you want to go for it. Or Nope. They ran the ball for one yard and punted, and they never saw the ball again. And it was a good punt, too. They punted it down to the eight-yard line. But Spencer Rattler and company, to their credit, go down and win on a walk-off field goal. Here is... Here's where I'm conflicted on Oklahoma, all right? Is it possible that they aren't as good as, you know, maybe everyone thought? I think it's more than possible. I think that's how it kind of looks. Maybe they just aren't as good. But does that mean they aren't a good football team? And I don't know that I'm there yet. And here's why. I go back to 
2012. And I look at the the fact that all you have to do, you can win ugly. You just have to win. And you look at Notre Dame's 2012 undefeated season when they went and played in the BCS National Championship game. Yeah. And they beat Purdue, who they were significantly better than. They beat them by three, 20 to, seven, 20 to 17. They beat Michigan State on the road by 17. Solid win, 20 to three, no biggie. Michigan at home, 13 to six. Now, granted, Michigan was not, you know, they were better there, but 13 to six. Stanford, 20 to 13 in overtime. That was the big goal line stand, if you remember that. Yep. Uh, then BYU by three, 17 to 14. Now, they went on the road, smoked Oklahoma and Norman, speaking of the Sooners. Um, come back the following week, 29-26 in triple overtime against Pitt. Yeah. Now, they finished fairly strong, 21-6 Boston College, 38-0 Wake Forest, 22-13 uh, USC before losing 42-14, to but we won't talk about that. Um, doesn't matter, it was vacated anyway. Um, <laughs> the whole season. But... Actually, the the irony is um, because that took place in 2013, technically, I think that actually stayed, <laughs> which is rough. But anyway, um, so you look at that season for them and they had some impressive wins. They had some really ugly wins, but they won. And right now for Oklahoma, they have some ugly wins. And they have one impressive win against a cupcake, but they're winning and they're still 4 0. And so, if you're Oklahoma, that's all that really matters. If you're sitting there at sixth, who cares? Like these SEC teams all got to play each other soon. So, that'll sort itself out in the top four. Um, you know, UCLA could maybe do you a favor with Oregon. Iowa and Penn State are ahead of you. They have to play each other. Um, in, in addition to playing, you know, just their generic bin, Big Ten schedule. So there's nothing really in your way of climbing back into the college football playoff if you just keep winning. Yep. Um, and so now they do need to, I think they're playing with fire and they need to win in more convincing fashion in some of these games. And I feel like somebody's about to take the brunt of it and maybe it'll be K-State. I don't know. I hope not, but, um, but who knows? So I think the jury is still out on Oklahoma. I'm not ready to act like they're a bad team. Um, they just, maybe they're not as good as we thought. Um, or maybe they're kind of just going through some growing pains and they're going to work out some kinks. I mean, we did an entire segment on Notre Dame talking about how they look bad against Florida state. Uh, they look bad against Toledo, but they got those wins. Um, and those ugly wins in games were a double digit favor. We talked about that at the end of the Notre Dame segment, did that propel them forward? So will this propel them forward? Too close. It's been two. That's the big thing. It's been two. Nebraska, who's not very good, and um, and now West Virginia, who's you know you're talking about a couple of 500 teams. So you know we'll see, but uh, not ready to write them off just yet. Um, is that it? That's it. Um, so that's that's all the games that we had covered. I do want to just shout out a couple other games that were worth noting because we've kind of talked about them. For one, we had Matt Lounsbury on from Wolverine Digest, and um, he had called the or predicted 
the Rutgers-Michigan game. And that was an interesting one as well because you have Michigan jumping out to a 20-3 to halftime lead and then doing nothing in the second half. And so those questions about Cade McNamara are about to come to the forefront when Michigan can't run the ball for 350 yards. Um, you know, in this one, you have them running the ball for 112 and they escaped. Now, Rutgers is no slouch. Greg Schiano's doing a good job up there. The last time they were relevant, he was the coach. So, you know, I think he's good for that program. Um, but this was at home. Again, they got the win, and that's what matters. Um, they've got Wisconsin now, and I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup because you're going to have um, Michigan now coming in ranked 14th. At Camp Randall, where they haven't won in 20 years, Wisconsin is actually favored in that game. I'm I'm surprised. As of right now, they are a one-point favorite. I don't know if I buy that um, because wow. Michigan's defense is still tough. And Graham Mertz, as we talked about in the Notre Dame section uh, segment, did not look particularly good. But uh, anyway, Notre Dame – or I'm struggling. It's getting late. Michigan survives and advances. They've looked pretty good up until this point. A little shaky this week. We'll see as they get into Big Ten play uh, a little bit more what happens. Um, some other games worth shouting out. Iowa. Uh, Iowa went into halftime uh, trailing Colorado State, who has been atrocious this year. Um, now, they did shut them out in the second half. Their streak of holding teams under 25 points, I think, is up to about 27 or 28 games. And that's going to be the heart of who Iowa is. Um, if you can score 20-plus, you're going to have a good chance of, of beating the Hawkeyes. Now, it'll be interesting to see. They have to go on a Friday night to play Maryland this week. And I think that's going to be a pretty interesting game. In fact, I'm curious what this, um, the line is on that. So Iowa, just a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um against the Terrapins. So we'll have to keep our eye on that one as well. Um, let's see here. Coastal Carolina bounced back in a big way. UMass is awful, but they did beat them by 50. Um, Iowa State. I said in the Cyhawk game, I see Iowa State losing a couple more games this season. Um, they, I believe, fell out of the top 25 after losing to Baylor, which I thought was a little harsh to drop them 11 spots. But nonetheless... It is what it is. Clemson, though, who has looked terrible, gets to stay in the top 25 uh, at 2-2 two and two with two whopping wins over a couple of uh, one cupcake and one Georgia Tech, um, you know, scraper last week uh, and then losing in double overtime to NC State. Um, that was, like I said, my upset special. Auburn, what in the world? Now, they won by 10, but that's because of a late pick six. Um, I, I mean, you're talking about a game being in doubt in the final minutes against Georgia State. That's embarrassing. Um, Florida, no uh, Alabama relapse. They take, excuse me, take care of business against Tennessee. Michigan State, though, um, favored in this game, I think, by three. So I think they yeah, covered. They covered in <laughs> overtime. Um, in overtime against Nebraska at home. Um, so I think that maybe tells us a little bit more about Michigan state and who they are or are not. Um, but nonetheless, again, you just got to win. And that's the same team that just played. It's the same Nebraska team that played Oklahoma. Well, so it's kind of one of those, if Oklahoma is pretty good, then maybe Nebraska isn't as bad, but their record is cause they still are losing. Who knows? Um, 
And then uh, Ohio State, no. The only issue for Ohio State is having a linebacker dismissed from your program in the middle of the game when he takes off his jersey. And Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. So, yeah, their they're linebacker, that was a bizarre story. Um, and I'm curious if it's going to... He was dismissed from the team officially today. Um, yeah, Kayvon Pope just threw, like, went into this giant rant. And I don't know what it was about, but on the sidelines, takes off his helmet, is like throwing his jersey into the crowd and just, and like quits in the middle of the game, like in the second or third quarter, just quits the team. Wow. In a game, like, and not like, oh, I got benched or like, oh, we're not playing well. 59 to seven quits the game. I don't know what happened there, but he's now gone from the football team. So I'm sure also from the university. Um, Georgia Tech. Uh, beating North Carolina. So Georgia Tech, a couple of good performances, I guess you could maybe argue the last couple of weeks. North Carolina, just not that good. That's all there is to it. Um, sorry, Mac Brown, but you're starting to kind of have your Texas thing roll over into North Carolina. Um, so they're also out of the top 25 and deservedly so. BYU won by eight, but they, man, they led early in that game and then kind of let South Florida back in. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, so they survive, uh, but they remain undefeated um, and move into the top 15. And then Oregon, this one actually looks worse than it was. Um, so going into the fourth quarter, Oregon only led Arizona, who is terrible, by the way, and currently 0-4, 24-19. Now they went into half up 10, 17-7. But they led 24 to 7 coming out of halftime. And then all of a sudden, here we go 24 10, 24 12 on a safety, 24 19 on a touchdown. So you have a five point game against an 0 3, now 0 4 Arizona team. Um, and they came out and, um, you know, they scored, scored 10, pushed it to 34 19 to make it comfortable, uh, and then got a pick six to end it. But, uh, a little, little shaky for the Ducks there. Um, but nonetheless, they survive. I don't know if we call it survive. If you win 41-19, to 19, that's a pretty solid win. Um, but those are some of our, our other games. Now, this brings us to our, our newest segment. We're going to wrap up with this. We've already gone longer than I, I intended. but um, And that is uh, Mark and I have each put together our own top 10. And I'm going to start actually filling in some of these because I can't imagine that our first three are different. Um, but I'm going to let you start here and start. Actually, let's do it this way. This will be fun. Uh, we'll go David Letterman style and start from number 10. Uh, okay. And we'll each we'll just each give our own and kind of maybe why we place them there. So who do you have at number 10 and how did you get to having them there? All right. So my number 10 team is the Florida Gators. Um, I think that their performance against Alabama um, was so strong especially when you are giving so much credit to Alabama for winning that game. You have to give uh, the same amount of credit for Florida for hanging in there. Having a shot to win that game, I think they shot themselves in the foot a couple of times where they could have kept Alabama off the board. They had a chance to tie it, and they didn't make a really good play call there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they're by far the best one-loss team, and I think that they're better than a lot of undefeated teams that are still behind them, so I think that they deserve the number 10 spot. It's an interesting choice. Um, 
for me, number 10, I had the Florida Gators. Um, and actually, part of me struggled with with ranking them higher. Um, the reason I kept them at 10 is because you do still have to win the games. You know, I, I get that it's Alabama and no one is like lining up to play them. Maybe Georgia, but most teams are not like, ooh, their fans love to hold up stupid signs that say, give us Bama. And it's like, you're a <laughs> moron. Um, but no one's lining up to play them. And like you said, Florida did play them well, um, if not for getting down so so much so early in that game. You know, maybe we're having a different conversation. I, I'll say this. I agree with you. I have them at 10, but I think they are better than teams I have ranked above them, you know, which is sort of the question of, I don't know. It's what, like, how high, how high do you put a team with a loss over teams that are undefeated? Um, and so I felt like 10, I do think they're a top 10 team. I think they are probably higher than that, but I didn't feel like you could punish the teams ahead of them. And I felt like it'd be punishing the teams ahead of them who have won all of their games. And that's why I came in with them at number 10. Um, number nine, who do you got? All right. At number nine, I've got the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I have them falling out of the, the top four. Now this looks, this, <laughs> yeah, this looks bad because of like where they've been currently ranked. But I, I took this approach as like just their, my overall perception on this season. I don't think they've performed as a top four team. I don't think they'll be as top four team at the end of the season. Um, and they are winning games, so I didn't want to take them out of the top 10. I just, they don't have a better win than the teams that I ranked above them. And they don't have anything that just jumps out to me as overly impressive than any of the other teams in front of them either. Um, but they could still be a little bit better than, than Florida, maybe. I really don't know for sure. Um, but they're still a top 10, 10, 10, 10 team now, and that's why I put them at number nine. All right. And uh, so before I get mine, I'll just add um, the current AP top 25 came out today um, and we are both in agreement with them on number 10. They also have Florida uh, at number 10 there. Um, I'm actually with the AP on this one. So at number nine, I have Notre Dame. Um, the Irish, obviously a very big statement win against Wisconsin, but was a Wisconsin team that's now one and two. Um, you know, who hasn't beaten a better team. I mean, Wisconsin was actually favored in the Penn State game and favored in the Notre Dame game, lost both of those. Um, so I don't want to hold that against Notre Dame necessarily, but it's not the impressive, um, you know, if you're Notre Dame, you're hoping that Wisconsin looks really good from here out. Um, and that it's just you and Penn State are really good and beat them. Um, the other thing for Notre Dame is that that final score, um, they weren't, I don't know if it's fair to say they were as dominant as the final score maybe looked because um, they they got those two pick sixes. Mertz was really, his head was not in the game at that point. Again, I'm not trying to take anything away. They're my favorite team. I'd love to have them number one. They're not, but um so right now, that's where I have them. I debated putting them up one or two more spots, but I, I felt comfortable with them at number nine. Um, who you got number eight? All right, coming in at number eight, I've got the Cincinnati Bearcats. 
Okay. Um, the reason I put them there is because they held. They didn't play a game. So they didn't lose a game. They didn't win a game. And that's where they were before. And I think that's about where they should be. They don't have an overly impressive win either. We talked about how the final score of the right. Indiana game is not indicative of how that game was played out. Um, and I think that's a safe spot for them. And like I said, they had a bye week, though. They should hold, in my opinion. Yeah, Indiana has been their only real test. And, you know, they passed the test, 14-point win. Uh, I have them also, I, I guess I'm going to jump it into my analysis. I also have them at number eight. Um, and, yeah, Miami of Ohio, Murray State, those aren't things that really wow me. So, um, yeah, Cincinnati, I've got them at number eight. Number seven. At number seven, I've got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I think that they had the second best win of the weekend um, with their win over Wisconsin. And the reason I give them the credit for jumping that many spots is because of being the six and a half dogs uh, Mm -hmm. and totally flipping that. And and I get that the final score, I would agree, isn't necessarily uh, how the entire game played out. But you played to the whistle and you created two turnovers. Um, You easily could have just let off the gas um, and they didn't. They wanted to make a statement win. I think it is a statement win. And you talked about Wisconsin and how you think of them. I think that they are still a pretty good football team. It's just unfortunate that their first two, like out of the first three games, they've had to play two top 10 teams and they're going to play another top ranked opponent this week. So like you're talking about three of their first four games being against ranked opponents and that's just bad timing. Um, but I, I was, I think they looked really bad in this game, much worse than the Penn state game. Uh, so I put the Irish at number seven. All right. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, Wisconsin, that that's going to be interesting to see because their one win was Eastern Michigan. Um, they have not played a true road game yet. They still won't, uh, for a couple more weeks. Um, so we'll see, you know, the true, Test of the Badgers. Um, definitely this next week. If they go one and three, their season is pretty much shot. Um, so here I had uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, and a part of that is I felt like because of where they were ranked going into this game, I felt like, man, if you're going to just, I, I mean, I'm giving them nine spots. Um, and so, uh, obviously, I'm assuming you're giving them more. I can't imagine you have them outside the top 10. I could be wrong. But, um, you know, so I, I have them here. Um, and I think this is another team that, like I said, we'll see how good they truly are here in the next couple of weeks with some juggernaut uh, schedule. Well, with Georgia and Ole Miss and Alabama looming later uh, and with a predominantly SEC schedule remaining, uh, this is also a team that has not played on the road. Um so I don't want to overdo it here with Arkansas, but that was a big win. And both of their big home games that they've had against a ranked against two ranked teams from the state of Texas, they have handled. Um, so I have them coming in at number seven. Who do you got at number six? So my number six team is the Arkansas Razorback. Okay. Uh, I gave them one more uh, than Notre Dame because I think that their win this weekend was better than Notre Dame's. Uh, not necessarily more impressed like flashy wise or whatever but it's the best win of the week uh and a good win and it's their second win over a raked opponent which is one more than notre dame and i think that they are one spot better than notre dame right now yeah i can i can see that and 
so Joel Klatt put out his, I think, top 10 or whatever. And he basically had one and two or maybe one, two and three. And then he's like, I think he had one and two. And then he's like two through 10. He's like, you can just shuffle those up. He's like, it was almost a coin flip. And I know what he I know what he means, because it's like, how do you it is still early trying to evaluate. Uh, so you do the best you can on on what you've been able to see. Um, so for me, um, at number six, I have Iowa. Um, and they, they were number five last week, so I dropped them a spot just because, to me, um, this is arguably your worst opponent of the year. Um, I don't know. You could maybe argue Kent State. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's probably Colorado State. And you were trailing at home. Um, you never looked particularly good in this game. Spencer Peters finally broke 200 yards passing. Um, and was a little bit more efficient, though he did have an interception, which is unusual. Uh, he That's one thing he does fairly well is he does not turn the ball over. Um, so Iowa, defensively, I still think they're one of the top defensive teams in the country, and that's why I don't want to drop them too far because defense can keep you in and win games for you, and that's part of Iowa's formula. I've said it before. Try to run the ball, field position, defense create turnovers, create opportunities in short fields for your offense, um, and then run the ball and pound it to Laporta, the tight end. Um, so they got the win, and you don't like to necessarily punish a team for a win, but I think there's teams currently that are that are better than them and that showed better than them last week, so I've got the Hawkeyes coming in at number six. Number five. All right, so my number five team would be the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I didn't punish them for the less than impressive win this week only because the teams behind them lost. Um, so I, I didn't feel right moving them out of their spot when you had, um, you know, had Texas A&M lose, um, and Clemson lose. So I, I felt like I don't necessarily think they're going to be a top five team at the end of the season. I think they're there now for how impressive their first couple of wins were on the season. Um, and they won this way in the most Iowa way possible. They look like the same team that I've seen in the previous weeks, uh, just a little less scoring, um, which comes because they didn't have defensive scoring. So I think that had A&M won, A&M would be ranked higher than Iowa. Um, but that's not what happened, so I put the Hawkeyes still at number five. Yeah, I, it was certainly an interesting Interesting game from Iowa. This is what I had said I had expected a little bit. And we've talked about this with them before because I've grown up watching them. So I watch the Hawkeyes and I've seen this. Like they get up big for big games and sometimes they just stumble out of the gate. Um, if you are on our Facebook page, which by the way is facebook.com slash TD Podcast 2021, I posted a picture from one of our listeners, Tim Newman. He's an Iowa Hawkeye fan and season ticket holder. And he had posted in a in a thread that this was a score like name your score Saturday that Iowa could probably score 50 60 plus as long as Kirk Ferentz didn't take his foot off the gas. I said, uh, I could see them maybe winning by 20. Um and one of their touchdowns was set up by the Petrus interception. So without that it maybe is 24-7 and 17. So I was probably not too far off there um realistically, but um Certainly not a name your own score. He also said they wouldn't sniff the end zone, and they they didn't sniff it. They walked into it twice. Um, so anyway, um, 
My number five, I have Penn State. Um, that's one team who was below them that uh, that won more convincingly. Um, granted, Villanova, but again, Colorado State's not that impressive, and they won thirty-eight to seventeen. So um, these two teams can stay, you know, one, two, however you want to have them ordered here, because they play each other on October 9th in Iowa City. So we can decide at that point. Now, I still think Iowa needs to make sure they get past um, Maryland this Friday. But nonetheless, um, that's uh, Penn State hosts Indiana. So certainly no, I I think in some ways, probably kind of some similar levels of opponents here with Iowa and Penn State. So if they can both come in undefeated and 5-0 and going into that game, that'll be a good one in, at, at Iowa City. Um, and I thought I heard already that they've named that location for Fox's big noon kickoff, which is stupid, but I won't talk about that right now. All right, uh, number four. All right, my number four team is the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, I think that they've got a couple impressive wins, obviously, against Wisconsin and Auburn, although both of those teams um, have struggled since uh, you saw Auburn clinging to life against Georgia State. Uh, and I thought that that's pretty damaging, and it could be damaging for Penn State down the line, unless they went out convincingly, obviously. Uh, if they went out with the Big Ten, they're a surefire in. So um, I think that they're the number four team in the country right now, and my favored pick for the big 10 title. So that's where I have them. Yeah. I don't, I don't see them losing, uh, to Indiana. Um, now that is at Indiana. I just said it and I already forgot it. No, they host Indiana, uh, and they're 11 point favorite in that game. So that. It's going to be kind of a big game for the Hoosiers too, but I I don't see that going particularly well, um, especially because Indiana beat them on kind of a controversial play. If you remember last year, um, Penix dove through the goal line, and it's like, did he still have control of the ball? And he hit the pylon, or you know, was it a touchback or a touchdown? And they they beat uh, Penn State in that game. So Penn State's got a little bit of revenge on their mind, I'm sure, for this one, um, but. I think again, Penn State and Iowa, you got to make sure you don't get fall into the trap of the Maryland and Indiana games um looking ahead towards playing each other. For me, I have Oklahoma. Um you know, again, I get it. Not not a convincing win, didn't cover once again. Um but their defense which I have dogged them for previously is what won them this game um it's what kept them in it um you know west virginia it really should have been their offense it, this should have been a shootout you know for west virginia you're hoping to win this like 35 to 34 and you block a extra point or something like but it was oklahoma's defense that kept them in it and uh, i'm a big believer in defense your defense your offense only has to be as good as your defense is bad um and for them, it was a walk-off field goal at home. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I see a little bit of flashes of the 2012 Notre Dame, of maybe some ugly wins here, but they still are wins. Uh, they're still getting the job done, and so I've got Oklahoma still at number four. I'm going to assume our top three are the same, but go ahead and hit me with number three. 
My number three team is the Oregon Ducks. Um, I think they've shown that they're one of the top teams in the country. They've got a win over Fresno State, which, again, I give a lot of credit to Fresno State for that. They've got the win over Ohio State. Um, so they're, in my in my opinion, third best team in the country right now, but I think that's going to change. Uh, we'll talk about this when the time comes, but they've got an interesting matchup with US, UCLA coming up, and uh, that could shake things up. Yeah, I'm with you here. I got Oregon at number three. Um, you know, one of the marks of a good team is being able to put pesky teams away. So while I pointed out earlier that they struggled against Arizona well into uh, or going into the start of the fourth quarter with just a five-point lead, they didn't win by five. Like they took care of business, forty-one to nineteen, and you know that's what good teams do: is they realize when they're struggling, and then they say, "All right, no more of this." Um, and that's what they did. They took care of business. Um, now I believe, let's see here. So yeah, they've got Stanford, uh, and Stanford. That's going to be an interesting one. Oregon is only a touchdown favorite in that. And Stanford's been one of those teams that has given them problems historically when they really shouldn't. And this is a year that they really shouldn't. They're two and two um, with, you know, losses to UCLA and K-State. So the best two teams they've played, they've lost to. Um, so they have no business beating Oregon or even hanging around. But even the odds makers here, just a touchdown for Oregon. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one. That's going to be an interesting game. Um, but yeah, I got the Ducks at three as well. Number two. Number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, they have absolutely destroyed every single team that's been uh, sup- that they're supposed to. And they've got the, the the first win of the season against the Clemson Tigers, which I would think is probably was the toughest time to beat Clemson um, be, because now they've been exposed and they were kind of beaten and battered and their home games aren't important, any, aren't important anymore. Um, but they gave Clemson their first loss in Death Valley in 24-some games or whatever. So I find that pretty impressive still. It's still a good win, and then they've completely decimated everybody since. Yeah, right with you here. Don't really have much to add there other than looking ahead to this week, they host Arkansas. So battle of top 10 teams, um, you know, they're in my top 10, your top 10, the AP top 10, probably pretty much anybody's top 10. Um, I agree with you. They've looked very, very good. Um, And, you know, not to be much of a spoiler here, but I doubt you have anybody other than Alabama at number one. So here's the question then that I have for you is, is there a situation? So Alabama, let's see, hosts Ole Miss. Georgia hosts Arkansas. Georgia's an 18-point favorite. Alabama's 14 and a half. So for whatever reason, they really are not liking Arkansas. Maybe because they haven't played a road game. I don't know. But my question for you is this. What would it take for Georgia to slide into the number one slot provided they both win. So I'm, I'm saying Alabama wins, beats Ole Miss. Georgia wins, beats Arkansas. What would it take for Georgia to leap Alabama into the number one spot? Okay, so... Or do you think that's even realistically possible? I think it's definitely realistic, realistically possible. For one thing, I think Alabama is beatable this year. Um, they haven't really played any tough opponents other than what you, I guess could say Miami was a ranked opponent. Um, and then they looked very beatable and actually were beatable in the Florida game. Um, so 
and they've got to take care of business against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is ranked this year and look like a pretty decent football team, so it's a game they got to go in and win. And then you've got the same kind of story for the Georgia Bulldogs. Their their marquee win is against a team that has struggled, um, and so you've got to you you know then they've taken care of business with anybody else, and they've got both ranked opponents tough tough matchups this week. So for me, for the Bulldogs to jump over Alabama with both teams winning. I would think that Georgia would have to cover and Alabama not. Okay. So Georgia by 18 plus Alabama by fewer than two touchdowns. Yep. Yeah. I think for me, the only way I see this happening, cause there's a lot of love for Alabama. And when you are the reigning national champions and you've not really had anybody challenge you, except you could argue Florida, then it's going to be kind of hard to knock them off that pedestal, I think. Now, had, had Ole Miss not been ranked 12th, I would have said, okay, a convincing win by Georgia. I think Georgia's going to have to win this game by four touchdowns or more. I think you're talking about 28, eh, maybe not four touchdowns. Four, I'll go four scores, though. Um, I, think you, I think they have to be a four-score win against Arkansas, like really put them away and have Alabama struggle with Ole Miss. Um, My argument to that is the odds makers think that that Arkansas doesn't have a chance in this game, right? But the poll makers put Arkansas in the top 10. Well, and that's why I I just wonder about the value of SEC wins because we talked about Texas A&M saying, oh, they don't really look that good. Um, And... And yet that win over them at home vaulted them 10 spots in the polls or eight, eight spots. Was it, was it 16th? Um, you know, eight spots in the polls and basically almost flip-flopped them with A&M. A&M's 15. Uh, they, were, they went from 7 to 15, so they dropped eight. Um, A&M or Arkansas goes from 16 to eight and pops up eight. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think Georgia is going to have to really, again, I'm saying to leap Alabama, you got to prove that you are significantly better than them. So I think you have to really handle your business against Arkansas and Alabama needs to struggle because it's in Tuscaloosa also. So both of these are home games. I don't think it happens this week. Um, but I think if anything, you know, kind of kicking back to the the BCS days, um, where it's like you could be ranked one and two by a tenth of a point. I think, in terms of narrowing the perceived margin, um, Georgia can close the gap quite a bit on one and two there. Um, I don't think they do it this week. So, but hey, Ole Miss can go out and just win if they want. My my question to you is: you do you feel pretty locked in on? both Alabama and Georgia in the final four. No, uh, not with, not with the slate of games that are left now. Um, because for one thing, they have to play each other. And right. It, it, but that would probably be in the SEC title game, right? Or would they play, do they play in a regular season too? Uh, no, they don't. You're right. So, um, I mean, Alabama has Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU, New Mexico State randomly in November, 
uh, Arkansas and Auburn to end the season before likely going into the the SEC championship. So if they're as beatable as you say, then there's a blemish or two maybe out there. Um, but if they run the gauntlet on this, man, I just, I don't know. And then Georgia, same thing. As you look at their schedule, so Georgia still has to go to Florida like Alabama did. So that's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, they got to go to Auburn. I don't think that's a big deal. This Arkansas game is going to be kind of big. Georgia definitely has a much easier schedule. So maybe, I don't know. Um, but on paper, they definitely have the easier schedule with Georgia Tech to end the year, Charleston Southern the week before that. They've got uh, Auburn, who may not even be ranked by the time they play them in two weeks, um, Kentucky, Missouri, uh, and Tennessee. So, Well, there's a, there's a wild scenario, and I don't want to like dive into this too much because this is something that's going to come up later on, but there's a wild scenario right, where Florida could beat Georgia but wouldn't make the SEC title game because of their loss to Alabama. So it would mm-hmm. still be Bama, Georgia. And if Georgia were to be Alabama, like you're like, I'm just trying to think of a, there's a possible scenario. Like it would be crazy and wild, but there is a possible scenario that three SEC teams could be in the final four. Oh, oh man. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Because I think if it, if that happens, that is terrible for college football. Seriously. Like the only good thing that could potentially even come of that is a reconfiguration of how the playoff is done. Um, And I think part of the reason they're holding off on expanding the playoff is because of these mega conference things that are going on. But again, that's another topic for another day. So to recap, you have Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, Penn state, Iowa, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Florida, I've got Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, Oklahoma, Penn State, Iowa, Arkansas, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Florida. Um, so we'll we'll kind of update this as it goes. It's kind of fun to do and and think about. And now I understand why all the all the networks do it. Um, that's all we have for you tonight. Uh, that's our week four recap. It's been an exciting one. Um, oh, I forgot to mention uh, you your upset special Mississippi State over LSU. Um, no yeah. go. I just had to throw that out there since mine did, and I had an otherwise terrible week. That's all we have for you. I think you uh, had the risky pick and got rewarded for it. I took kind of a safe pick and didn't didn't work out. So there you go. That's lesson there. Um, that's all we have for you for this episode. Check us out on Twitter at TD Podcast Twenty Twenty One. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TD Podcast Twenty Twenty One. Uh, drop us some comments, like and follow us on either of those sites. Um, or you can email us your thoughts if you'd like to be a guest host on the That's Debatable podcast. Uh, shoot us an email uh, at that's debatable podcast 21 at, or excuse me, TD podcast 21 at gmail.com. It's late. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. <laughs>